0: I'm calling this word today, heart and soul, and I'm following on from the previous talk called Saviour of All Mankind, regarding the spiritual exercise of the soul in moving from its expression of our natural spirit to our God with us spirit. I want to discuss a further aspect of the salvation of our soul today by considering the place where this soul and spirit activity takes place. That place is the heart. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, Guard your heart with all diligence, for it is the outflowing of your life. So we'll do a brief recap of the function of the soul. Our soul which is our mind and our emotions and our will, processes the inner senses of the spirit as well as the five outer senses of the body. The soul is the loudspeaker of what both our inner spiritual reality and our outer world reality is going through. It does all the oohs and ahs and groans and moans and hurrahs and hallelujahs. It laughs and cries and sulks and sighs. That's our soul. It's the public broadcast of our being, the person we think we are, and that could become much better as far as God's idea of us is concerned. These expressions of our souls that contend with the expressions of the souls of other people can be quite intense, but they're often quite more surface than real. Our soul is looking for something deeper, in a safe place, a home, where the soul can be rested and healed and made to settle. Where is that place where God invites us to be? us to be where he is where is that place where he knocks on the door to be where we are again that place is our heart the heart is where our spirit is nested and it's where God has always met with mankind he has put eternity in their hearts Ecclesiastes 3.11. This is where he reserved a place or a space in the hearts of men and women to speak into from all tribes and nations since the beginning of time. The scriptures record his conversations with Adam and Abraham who was an Iraqi and Chaldea, and Sarah, and Rahab, and Deborah, and David, and many others, including all the prophets up until John the Baptist. And then God came to us as Jesus, to live as one with him in the fullness of his heart. This was more than humanity just having a God space in the heart for God to communicate into, like he'd been doing throughout all time. This was the fullness of God's own heart dwelling within the heart of humanity, within the heart of his Son Jesus, as it says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 For in him dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And the Bible tells us. That from that time on he dwells in our hearts by faith so that we may know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, so that we may be filled with all the fullness of God. It's in Ephesians 3 verse 20. Our hearts were created to live in that relational atmosphere of closeness and belonging to God. And we're invited in there by God himself. God, whose own heart expresses the fullness of this environment and invites us into it. What a miracle that God can live in loving fullness in a human heart that has become a new heart by faith. This new heart was what the prophet Ezekiel spoke about that God would give us at the appointed time. In Ezekiel chapter 36, a new heart I will give you and a new spirit I will put within you. It is fashioned after God's own heart and it can begin to emerge through us into a world that needs the love and compassionate action that comes from the heart of God with us through Jesus and the Holy Spirit. How does this new heart take shape in us and live and become the announcement of our being instead of the surface reactions and self-focused demands of a restless soul. We start by giving attention to the nature of God's heart, of closeness and belonging that draws us into itself. This is where we were appointed to live. So why do we tend to resist and separate off? Unfortunately, other things get our attention. But if we start to appreciate and choose the highest spiritual goal of our life, to know and love God and to be with him forever, we will choose to not be distracted from that goal. There's a story in Greek mythology of a foot race where one of the runners, called Hippomenes, sets his heart fully on winning a race against a swift and well-trained female athlete called Atalanta. His trick to win the race was to throw a golden apple upon the ground from time to time, which distracted Atalanta, who'd stop running, pick up the golden apples, and so she lost the race. Hippomenes won the race and he won Atalanta as a bride, plus a huge bunch of golden apples. Paul tells us that God has set the race of faith and endurance before us and for us not to get hindered or distracted. That's in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. And we're not competing against anyone else except ourselves. And we can choose to run the race set before us and so win the eternal prize of God with us life. Running this race of faith properly comes through surrender and release. That's always the key, and that is always the real effort. We learn to let go of the many unproductive distractions. The golden apples, these distractions to the inner life of our soul, where the racing mind and its imaginations and our emotional unrest do not hijack our soul from achieving its goal of faith, which is the soul finding its place in the heart, where we find that place of closeness and belonging with God. Now, we'll look again at some of these things in the soul and see them as regards their finding their home in the heart. We're going to start with the mind. And this is part of the spiritual exercise of godliness that we spoke about last week. But let's see it in relationship to its coming home, where it belongs, in the heart. So the soul finds its place in the heart with our minds, We cannot turn off our minds and go blank, but we can redirect our minds to contemplating God's idea of what he thinks is important about us and our situations. We do that instead of debating with ourselves about our idea of what is important about life. We let go of following one train of thought and embrace another train of thought. That's where the mind goes. And when we do this, we're bringing our mind into the heart. We align our minds with the mind of Jesus who emptied himself from his me-self, made himself of no reputation. And that was showing us what it meant by the renewing of the mind, the saving of the soul mind from its anxious and uptight fixation on the problems that invade our outer world of conflict, and disorder we can practice this exercise of shifting the focus from the outer world to the inner world of God's heart for short periods of time as we find opportunity as i've said before i call this the pathway of presence prayer the pathways of the soul into the heart are being formed each time we let go of one direction of the mind and move into the other. We keep returning to God with us. Keep that in your mind, God with us. That's where we're going. From whatever else is happening, we're now in our mind and in our heart saying God with us. And when we're in this God with us mindset, we can start solving our problems in our God with us minds. So, you see, this starts to become not so much about what we think, but more about how we think. Think about that. The attitude of surrender brings the soul home to the heart, where it finds God's wisdom. Read that in James 1:5: the wisdom that is from above. Now, let's look at the emotions and the feelings. The heart is also where we can choose to set our feelings and affections upon God. And it's also upon his love for us. Colossians 3, verse 3, set your affections on things above, not on things on the earth. That word affections in the Greek, phroneo, means a sentiment or a fervent opinion. Those strong, passionate things. Now, set them on things above, upon God and his love for us. Just as our mind can be distracted by all those outer problems, so our feelings and emotions can be sidetracked by focusing more upon the negative feelings we have of ourselves rather than the loving feelings that God has about us. We can get weighed down by guilt and shame or feeling too unworthy to be receiving God's love. Now, once we come to this point, we need to know that we can enjoy having a clear conscience, not being weighed down by guilt and shame, or feeling too unworthy to be engaging with God in this way. And this is where the Holy Spirit shows us the bigness of God's loving heart towards us, and he shows us how precious are his thoughts towards us and how precious we are in his sight. Psalm 139, he loves us just as much as he loves Jesus. That's in John 17. Thank you, Father, you have loved them as you have loved me. He sees us as the finished product of our new heart self in Jesus. And his reality is, of who we are is greater than our own heart's reality of who we are. Let me read you the scripture about God's big heart and us and our condemnation of ourselves. Our unworthiness. 1 John 3 verses 19 to 20 For if our heart accuses us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God and whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. That's a good scripture. We can confess our own sinful nature and its weakness and fallibility and receive the love and mercy and greatness and goodness that is God's great heart. He is greater than our heart. As we appreciate more of the loving nature of God, we begin to set our affections upon God and grow to love and trust Him more and more. This is when and where He so often makes His presence known and we become aware of being found in Him. When we realize that our hearts are so small and judgmental, even upon ourselves, and that his heart is so big and accepting of us in his mercy and forgiveness. It's where we learn to give thanks in all things because this is the will of God, 1 Thessalonians 5.18. That is a turnaround, that grateful heart. It's difficult for our emotions to say, thank you, God, when we're going through an unpleasant circumstance because our emotions get stuck. And we tend to resist what is happening. What is really happening at that moment is not just the unpleasant circumstance. It is our unpleasant emotional reaction to it, like anxiety or impatience or frustration or even annoyance. This inner conflict is what is hard to live with more than the circumstance itself in the present moment. You know how it feels. It can be something that's been okay to do for you day after day, but at this particular time, you've got something else to do or it's just not coming together for you and the thing that you could just get done, you get stuck in. You begin to resist. And that's the inner conflict. That is harder to live with more than the circumstance itself. And this is where the bigness of God's heart comes into the picture. Once more. So we confess honestly to a merciful and forgiving God the fact that we're stuck in those negative and hurtful emotional feelings. God is greater than our heart and lovingly accepts us in that human weakness, and He then releases a healing grace of peace that lifts us out of our painful me with me self of our reactions into our God-with-me-self freedom to be able to accept that circumstance. There's a freedom. We begin to experience the closeness and belonging environment of the heart of God and we regain confidence that he is still supernaturally working all things together for good for us and we set our affection upon God and give him thanks. This is another opportunity of surrender of letting go. You see, God wants our heart to be one of faith. And once we've cleared the roadway, the pathway from those stumbling blocks of our own self, we can then say, I'm okay with you, Lord. I can now see and believe with eyes of faith that you're at work in the world of the supernatural. This is answered prayer time despite my humanity and its shortfall. And of course, this has an effect on the will. Let's look at the will. Once we've begun to set our affections upon God with the awareness of being found in him, we find that he begins to change the desires of our heart. Our will has become nestled in the embrace of God and we begin to live in the not-my-will but your will be done. We begin to do those things that are pleasing in his sight. This is the letting go of one desire and taking hold of a new desire of the heart, a gift of God's transforming grace, another act of surrender. When God puts this new desire into our hearts, we get a new perspective of who we really are in Christ because we're becoming a person after his own heart. And that is now where we know we belong. There's a story about a cluster of acorns lying underneath a huge oak tree on a grassy slope where there was shade and sunshine happening at the same time. They were boasting to one another how fulfilled and satisfied they felt about themselves as a group and how splendid and shiny they looked. Then a smaller, drab-looking acorn fell from a great height through the branches of the oak tree and landed in their midst. They scoffed at the sight of this newcomer and continued to discuss how splendid they thought themselves to be and then one of them asked the little acorn, where did you come from and who on earth do you think you are? They didn't think he really belonged. The little acorn said humbly that he dropped from way up in the top of the tree, the oak tree, and that as he was falling past the huge branches, he heard a whisper from the great oak tree saying about him, he's one of us. The little acorn knew that that would one day come to pass. He was going to become an oak tree. He knew where he really belonged deep down, with other oak trees, not other pretentious acorns. Just as an acorn contains an oak tree, so our new heart can contain God. The acorn lets go of remaining an acorn, sheds its outer shell and germinates as a seed to become an oak tree. We are found by God. We are found by God within, and God is found by us within. I'll say that again. We are found by God within, and God is found by us within. God with us. Us in him, and him in us. That's what Jesus said about this relationship in John chapter 14. And our new heart starts to function authentically, the real us in the infinite greatness of God's love. I want to encourage you to stay with the thoughts that I've shared with you today to allow the inner shift of faith to occur that the scriptures hold out to us and let the soul find its home in your heart. As the Apostle Peter said in 1 Peter 1.8, you love him even though you have never seen him and though not seeing him, you trust him. And even now you rejoice with the joy that comes from heaven itself, receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So let's do an exercise of presence prayer again in a moment for three minutes or so and to meditate again upon some spiritual realities of God's words to us from Scripture. Letting the words of my mouth As David said, and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord. Psalm 19. I'm going to read some of the scriptures I read the last time we sat in the presence of the Lord and add a few others that speak particularly of the heart. You may find that one of the following scriptures speaks to you in a special way. And if so, hold on to that one thought throughout the week. And let that word become flesh in you. Just return to it. It will start to speak. So let's come into his presence now and be still and know that he is God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matthew 5, 8. I'm receiving from you, Lord, the salvation of my soul, one Peter one nine I'm seeking first your kingdom, O Lord, and knowing that you add all the other things that I need according to your will Luke twelve thirty one. I know that it is you that is working within me to will and to do that which pleases you Philippians two thirteen. I'm coming to you just as you asked me to find rest. For my soul. That's Matthew eleven twenty eight. And you give me the spirit of power and of love and of an ordered mind. Second Timothy one seven. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also Matthew six twenty one. I will be still and know that you are God Psalm forty six ten. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God, how great is the sum of them. Psalm 139 I know that your presence will go with me, and you will give me rest, for I have found grace in your sight, and you know me by name. Exodus 33 I trust in you, O Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in your hands. Psalm 31 I know that you are doing exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think, according to your power that's working within me. Ephesians 3.20 I know the thoughts that you have toward me, of good and not of evil, to give me a future and a hope. Jeremiah 29.11 Guard your heart with all diligence, for it is the outflowing of your life. Proverbs 4.23 He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. John 7.38 Amen. Hide these words in your heart and sit with them. Let them transform you in Jesus' name.